BAM Radio Network. Very often people seem to put up a wall and say, well, I don't really want to do that. And they seem to put up different reasons. And actually when you get to talk to them and ask them about what's behind that, there's intimidation and there's fear. I think it makes more sense for a more experienced teacher to feel more comfortable in being that pioneer because we have a lot of the issues that are the daily classroom management and, oh my goodness, how am I just going to deal with the curriculum? Um, We have those issues under our belt and fairly stabilized so that taking on something new just adds excitement and keeps us fresh. Hello, it's time for Teacher's Aid, strategies, tools, and tactics for the challenges teachers face. I'm Ray Pika. Well, I, for one, am becoming completely overwhelmed by the pace of technology. I figure out Facebook, along comes Twitter. I learn how to tweet, but then I have to decipher hashtags. I figure out Microsoft 7 and the TV ads for Microsoft 8 make me feel as though I'm missing out on something. When I hear about Pinterest and apps and clouds, I want to hide under the bed. And this is just the bare minimum of the technology available. When you talk about bringing technology into the classroom, there's plenty more to choose from, if you dare. Joining me today to talk about getting past the intimidation factor are Maria Nee, Kathy King, Neil Charnas, and Vicki Davis. Well, it won't come as a surprise to anyone that I'm over 50. Neil, give us your thoughts on what that has to do with my freaking out over the rapid changes in technology. Part of the issue is um, if you look at the pace of technology, particularly diffusion of technology, whereas it took about 150 years for the fax machine, for its invention, until it kind of made its way into the general population. The telephone, about 50 years. The Internet was only about 20 years. The rate at which new technology is being introduced is increasing. And then, unfortunately, as we get older, the rate at which we can acquire new information is decreasing. And so you have those two factors or forces working in opposition so that for the average older adult, it might take about twice as long as for a younger adult to acquire a new skill like the example in, in some of our research projects is learning a new word processor. And uh, it's perfectly rational. It's going to take you twice as long, but you're going to be a little more hesitant to start up with a new technology. Kathy, with things changing every day or every hour sometimes it seems, is it necessary to keep up with everything? I mean, what technologies are must-haves for me as a teacher? That's part of the key choice, isn't it, is that We have to be self-directed learners, and we have to be able to sift out what's most important. I try to watch those technologies that are being sustained, that are being adopted, and have value for taking teaching and learning deeper. They're not just a flash in the pan. They're not just glitzy objects, but instead they have great potential. And that's how I sift through them and make choices as to the value and whether I'm going to put in the effort to learn them and then develop materials and activities for learning with them. Vicki, your thoughts on that? Well, for me, because I have such a schedule, I take 15 minutes three times a week, and I call it my personal R&D time, where I explore new things. But, you know, I don't really gravitate towards the trendy. I gravitate towards the things that, that fit well with the research we already know that works. So, for example, we were doing a unit here in professional development for cooperative learning, And when we went through that research and the material, I saw what wikis uh, allow us to do and that it could really take cooperative learning to the next level. And that was a technology that I I chose. I think it's important for teachers to start where they are. They can't do everything, but they can do something. And I think it is important 
um, you know, once you get your curriculum down, once you understand what you're doing, to add that innovation, just to keep yourself excited, it would be so sad to say that you taught the same, um, the same year 30 times instead of teaching for 30 years and kind of reinventing and improving yourself every year. All right, Maria, our must-haves, what must I absolutely have? It is not necessarily about which tool or what I need to do. I have to think about what provides the most transformational learning experiences for my children because parents send them to school to learn and to become worthwhile contributors to society. So when, I, when I'm trying to decide the tools, I really think about the literacy piece, the mathematical piece, and the problem-solving piece. For instance, an interactive whiteboard was absolutely transformational for some of my children who were having fine motor issues because I could put them up at the whiteboard and transform the way they could work on their penmanship or their drawing because, and Ray, you could probably appreciate this, they were using their whole body to draw the O or to do the diagonal and not just a piece of paper at an easel, but really moving their whole body and really getting those pathways established for how to make those letters. So um, I also think that connecting with others is a really important thing, not to be isolated learners. Neil, considering the fact that computer designers and software engineers seem to have only young people in mind, is there still hope for us mature digital immigrants? We hope so, some of us. (laughs) And this has been kind of a central theme within our CREATE project, the Center for Research and Education on Aging and Technology Enhancement. Uh, We put together very short kind of primer books for designers of technology that they can refer to to uh, try to ensure that when they design that they, there's an adequate fit between the capabilities of the user of the technology and the demands that that particular technology makes on those individuals. But you're right, there is this bias, particularly because technology development uh, for some of the newer technologies is very much a young person's game in some sense, that it's very hard for them to take the perspective of a user who's not the same age they are. What is your best advice for overcoming these challenges? The two main factors that the research shows that are important in technology adoption are, one, perceived usefulness, and two, perceived ease of use. And so perceived usefulness really is something that everybody else has been talking about already. Is this something that can help me get across my goals as a teacher for being able to improve the performance of my students, of my of my kids. And the second, though, is the one that touches in on usability again, which is uh, perceived ease of use. So one of the problems we've had with technology all the way along is inadequate instruction. And this may seem a little funny when we're talking about education, but do we have a good training program to help people acquire the technology that they can see is going to be useful to them? But at the moment, the ease of use is a barrier. Their perceived ease of use is a barrier. How do we instruct the users of that new technology in a way that they're going to be comfortable, that they're going to learn effectively, and so on? And again, there are lots of principles that we've enunciated in some of our publications, particularly for designing for older adults. And the teaching profession certainly 
to some extent, fits into that. Sure. And when we're talking about older adults and technology, we're not necessarily talking about those of us over 50. I mean, sometimes it's those of us over 30 even. So Exactly right. When it comes to the kind of changes associated with aging, you can see them, unfortunately, in some cases, from the 20s onward. Well, we have very little time left. And so, Kathy, if the fear paralyzes and embarrasses me, tell me what one step I can take to move beyond the paralysis and embarrassment. I would say find a partner that you can explore technology with, another teacher that you can sit with and work with together. Modeling, support, safety, those sort of things are really important to be able to work together and realize, oh, even this person that knows it well had questions when they started. You know, nothing is a stupid question. Those are all critical pieces that another person can support and encourage you with. And if you're doing that, you're also watching them and them modeling is really important. Vicki, what one step can I take? If you could start using this acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Most fear is not uh, valid in reality. The things we set up at night and worry about typically do not happen. Um, and you have to realize that um, this is approachable. It is something you can do. So I think the biggest gift I would give to teachers is to realize that fear is typically false evidence appearing real and to know that most things that we fear don't come true. The things we still wake at night and worry about don't happen. And technology is the same way. If they'll just take a baby step um, and then another, then eventually they'll find that their classroom is a very exciting and a transformed place to be. Is in technology. Maria? I was going to say that it's not about the one step, it's about the size of the step. And I would encourage everyone to try something, but to pick the baby step, the, the thing that they feel that's within their zone of proximal development, something that they can possibly do with some scaffolding, a partner, work with somebody that you trust, and choose a baby step, one small thing. Okay, Neil. I'm going to talk about it as a platform and say that uh, one of the most important things we find for older adults generally, but uh, novices, I would say, also this, this should hold for is having adequate backup support. One of the things that all the technology makes really available to us is access to information. It, it's really important, particularly for people who are new to something, that they be able to get questions answered in a timely way. So I like the idea of being able to work with someone who's a model for you. But a lot of the work is often done on your own time by yourself. And there it's really important to have resources available to that learner so that they can get questions answered. They don't get discouraged. They don't get blocked. And so really it's your support base, your help desks and so on that are really critical if they're staffed adequately so people can get just-in-time information. Thanks, Neil. Where do I go? to find out where to start, what to get, you know, what apps do I need? One, one resource from each person. Kathy, let's start with you. I'd say absolutely your own blog, setting up very easy blog. And Vicki? I think if you go on Twitter and follow about 50 good educators, try to find some good Twitter lists and really look at a hashtag that's related to your field of study. And a hashtag, for those who don't know, is that little pound sign. Maria? I would recommend the edutopia.org website. I think there's great information. There's a community already built right there and join, be a part of that, do lots of reading. I really thank you for being here and, and talking about this. As you know, it's an issue near and dear to my heart and uh, one bite at a time, right? We'll just 
We'll just keep that in mind. Thank you so much. So do you see that like button on your screen? Yes, right there in front of you in the pop-up box. If you appreciated this segment of Teacher's Aid and would like to keep the shows coming, please click that thing for me. Thank you. This has been Ray Pico with Teacher's Aid, offering solutions to the challenges teachers face. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.